Welcome to the Ultradent Products Podcast. Today's guests are Dr. Phil Brown, a dentist from Sandy, Utah, and Norman Hicks. During Norman's 31-year career in the dental materials industry, he has worked for five different major dental manufacturers. Currently, Norman is self-employed as a consultant to a few other dental manufacturing companies. Norman was directly involved in the introduction of the original fiber post into the U.S. market in the mid-90s. He also has several published articles on the topic of low modulus reconstruction. Hi, my name is Dr. Philip Brown, and uh, today we're going to talk about metal posts and fiber posts. And I have with me Norman Hicks, who's been in the dental industry for over 30 years. And uh, the first thing we want to cover is why would a dentist want to switch norm from metal posts to fiber posts they've used metal posts for years Uh, they may not perceive um, inefficiencies or failures but uh, uh, tell us a little bit about technology and why a dentist would consider that Uh, sure well i think the easiest way the short answer to that question is why would a dentist switch because it's better for the tooth and i think all dentistry and dental restorations and procedures should be based initially on is it good for the tooth what's best for the tooth um, you're right, fiber metal posts do have a long history of clinical dentistry, uh, and you really didn't perceive that there were things wrong with them until you had an alternative. And these uh, fiber posts have been around, uh, available in Europe and in uh, North America for about you know, 15 years now. Uh, but uh, rather than just to have, give you my opinion, uh, what I'd like to do is, for instance, in the, um, the current edition of Pathways of the Pulp, which is an endodontic textbook, sort of the mm-hmm. endodontist Bible, if you will, in the chapter where they talk about restoring the endodontically treated tooth, they list seven or eight uh, characteristics that would be characteristics of the ideal post or dowel. And so uh, again, I could address a few of those and it makes sense to you. And a dentist would then have to ask themselves, which is better for the tooth, the metal or the fiber? Well, one, one thing real quick here, and um, you brought the first fiber post when in your career around the mid nineties, you introduced some of the first fiber posts to the United States. Uh, it was new technology and and um, a little foreign to some people, but uh, the fiber posts today are, are not the same as maybe 10 years ago either, just like composites have improved over the years. True, yeah, the, uh, the initial fiber posts, the first ones were actually using uh, carbon fibers, which were certainly not aesthetic. Uh, they didn't know how to make these posts radiopaque, which are important features. They were invented by dentists, and they had to find a manufacturing technique and specific materials to, to make these successful so that they would do everything that a post was meant to do, designed to do, required to do, but without the downside, without predisposing to root fracture and so on. So the first generation you could consider were uh, carbon fiber posts and then dentists wanted uh, aesthetics so they went to a uh, more of a quartz type fiber, a glass fiber that would be tooth colored. Mm -hmm. And now the current generation, the best ones, and we'll talk about good, bad, and ugly later on or in a different, different segment, are translucent and they're using either glass or quartz fiber of some sort and like transmissive and uh, all the aesthetics you want and these for the most part uh, have the mechanical properties that are uh, equal to the first generation and equal to or superior to metal posts. Good. So the pathways to the pulp gives Mm -hmm. us some criteria to look at when selecting a post just like when we look at a patient they may or may not be a good uh, choice for veneers they might need full crowns Mm -hmm. Here's some ideas and how to select a post um, for your office. Yeah, and I think first in the list, uh, and perhaps by not by accident, would be the, the maximum protection of the root from fracture. 
if you asked most dentists what's the ultimate dental failure, especially when they consider endodontically treated teeth, would be a root split. You don't see it every day, but it's one of those things that should be avoided at all costs because it's the ultimate dental failure. What dentists don't realize is that a, a, a metal post is extremely rigid. It has what we call a, a very high modulus of elasticity. And as a matter of uh, physics, which is obviously bigger than dentistry, when you put two materials in function, as in a restored tooth, one of very high rigidity and one of a low, comparatively low rigidity, mm -hmm. and you put them in function, what happens is the, um, the high modulus material over tends to overwhelm the low modulus material. So what basically what we're saying here is in the research, uh, the in vitro research start to bear this out over and over again, is that a rigid metal post tends to predispose endodontically treated teeth, compromised teeth, to root split, root fracture. May not happen all the time, certainly. Doesn't happen within weeks but you see a higher incidence of root fracture with metal posts than certainly with fiber posts. That's the number one reason. And, and you know what? I remember when I was in dental school 20 years ago, we were told, oh, the post reinforces the tooth. Uh, not true. Not true. Not true. We've tried to test that every way we could, try and make it look that way, <laughs> but unfortunately that, that isn't, uh, isn't happening. Even with a fiber post that is uh, innocuous, in other words, to put it in um, Carl Einfelder's words, the, the tooth doesn't even know it's there. The best you can hope for is neutrality. In other words, it occupies space. It does what a post is supposed to do. It uh, leads me to the second item on the list, which is retention. But it does this without predisposing to root split. So the second thing on that list uh, is retention. Of course, you want retention of the core, and you want retention of the post and core into the tooth. Now, uh, as you know from uh, your own practice of dentistry, Phil, uh, dislodgement is not an everyday problem with, with metal posts. Uh, and certainly, moving uh, as you consider moving from a metal post to a fiber post, you don't want to lose any ground in that area. I mean, this right. is the number one reason that you use a post is to retain the, the, the core and the crown. But uh, again, in vitro studies of all types, using all different types of fiber posts and metal posts and cast posts and prefabricated posts, basically the fiber posts, if properly bonded, which is key, uh, offer the same d degree of retention as uh, metal posts or better. It's, it's not significantly better, but it's as good as. and. And again, it does this without the downside, predisposing the root to fracture. So we've got the retention of the core, mm -hmm. which um, some people also describe as kind of a, a, a monoblock. You want to touch on that a little bit when you do a, a composite core buildup with a post and resin cement? Mm -hmm. Well, every material, including the tooth, has its own modulus elasticity, its own mechanical properties. Mm -hmm. And when you take a uh, tooth that has a uh, elastic modulus of about 18 or 20 gigapascals. You take a uh, stainless steel post with a elastic modulus maybe 10 times that, and you have an amalgam core, which is somewhere in between, and then you got, and you have all these materials uh, working together in function. It's it's a, it's a disharmony. It's a, a mismatch of mechanical properties. Mm -hmm. By contrast, when you take a post that has roughly the same elastic modulus as the tooth, you use a composite core material rather than an amalgam, which has a slightly lower but in the same neighborhood elastic modulus. You have a group of materials that work together in harmony rather than in disharmony, and hence the somebody coined the phrase in the 90s, a monoblock. Basically, it all works together in function. Mm. So we've got maximum protection of the root, mm -hmm. retention of the core and the crown, mm -hmm. and now what about retention of the post in the root, the, the cement mm -hmm. into the canal? Mm -hmm. The fiber posts are a little different technique than metal posts. Most dentists that place metal posts, they learn to do them using uh, some sort of powder liquid cement, a zinc phosphate cement, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, those cements have been around since um, the, the Civil War. But uh, 
and they're reliable, I suppose. They're predictable, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, right. Uh, but we know by comparison to resin cements and bonding agents, which are polymerically sealed, powder liquid cements are, are relatively soluble. All right, so that's right. Uh, number one. What we're doing now with the uh, fiber posts, regardless of brand, size, dimensions, location, uh, shape, anything, we're, we're recommending bonding these using uh, either a bonding agent or a resin cement or a combination of those. And uh, this offers some benefits all unto itself, but it gets away from a relatively soluble cement. Another advantage of that is uh, should you ever have to remove, retreat the root canal, and this happens maybe one quarter to one third of the time, uh, if there is a metal post in the way, the metal post is going to have to be removed and needs to be removed in one piece. And it's much easier to remove if you use a uh, powder liquid cement because you can dissolve that with your ultrasonic scaler or something like that. Uh, if you remove a, um, try to remove a metal post that's been bonded, it's very difficult to get out. Uh, I guess I'm moving ahead down my list, uh, moving ahead of the conversation, but when you use a fiber post, regardless of brand or size or location, you can remove this fiber post in a matter of minutes, atraumatically, whether it's bonded or however it's uh, retained, and you mm-hmm. can do this uh, just by drilling it out. Maybe this is uh, just a good point briefly to talk about well all the metal posts that i used in the 80s and 90s had threads and looked like screws or carriage bolts that you'd use for your redwood deck and a little duck bill on top to hold the amalgam and maybe some slits and nooks and crannies and all these little complicated uh, uh, lathings and then i see most of the fiber posts are uh, at least superficially appear to be smooth yeah good point um the world is full of 50 years of designs, uh, abstract designs of metal posts designed to make it more retentive. And we're talking about gross mechanical retention. That's exactly what that's all about, whether it's the, the Christmas tree, the doorknob, the doorknob with a hole through it, the ice block, the ping pong paddle, you know, whatever you want to call and describe <laughs> them. But they all require, because of the nature of being metallic, they require some sort of macro retentive surface. Knurlings, threads, the, the original metal prefabricated posts were threaded like screws. Uh, So you need this. In other words, there is no affinity between uh, a stainless steel or titanium metal post and amalgam, or composite for that matter. Uh, There is no affinity between uh, that and a bonding agent and or a resin cement. So these things do have to be grossly mechanically interlocked. Um, Now, there are some fiber posts on the market who bear that same resemblance. In other words, they're the next generation and bear the same shape and... and, um, mechanical features. And, you know, are they bad? No. Are they necessary? No. In other words, uh, you mentioned the, the, the surface, the apparent surface of a, of a quote-unquote smooth fiber post. Well, on, on the better ones, uh, the better quality posts, you get up close with a SEM or whatever, and what you'll see is a micro-mechanical retentive surface. This is surfaces mm. that's put in there by design when the post is made. And when you're talking at, uh, about bonding and uh, adhesion in dentistry, what you find is this is almost like an etched enamel surface or a clean right. bonding dentin surface. Right. It's micromechanical. You've got uh, 5 to 15 micron uh, nooks and crannies, if you will. That's perfect to receive a low viscosity cement or a bonding agent or what have you. So these macro mechanical, just, they just get in the way. They're just not necessary anymore. Yeah, and you know what? Things that we do every day, we don't stop and think about when you bond a veneer. The porcelain side of the veneer doesn't have nooks and crannies and grooves and slits and threads. But we have you know, micro mechanical retention 
through either acid etching or micro etching that we can't see. So it's, I hear you saying is it's kind of similar to that maybe. And mm-hmm. as, as far as you don't need all these uh, anchors and, and macro retentive machined in features. You really don't. There are, uh, this is research that's now on the fringe, just now getting published, that there are ways to take a micromechanical, quote, s- smooth surface fiber post and enhance the attachment to that. Mm-hmm. But it's really a question of is it's more mas- uh, material science than, than dentistry. Because what you see over and over again all around the world is when a fiber post becomes dislodged, becomes loose, whether it's in vitro or clinically, almost always the debonding, the failure is between the, the cement or adhesive and the tooth structure, not the other interface between mm-hmm. the post and the cement. So the, uh, yeah, we're improving something that's already the better of the two, if, if that makes sense. So, the de- yeah, the dentin is still the weak spot. Exactly. And, and, and there are, there's work ongoing all over the world to say, how do we increase the retention capability of, to, to the inside of the tooth? Yeah. Okay. Well, what other properties uh, does the pathway to the pulp suggest as criteria? You know, there's three others I can think of. Um, aesthetics, radiographic visibility, biocompatibility. I'll, I'll address those one at a time. Obviously, in, in today's world, uh, even though I think the majority of uh, fixed prosthetics are, are porcelain fused to metal crowns, there is a growing demand, especially in the anterior, for uh, all ceramic crowns. And I think we'll get to even bridge work in, in that standpoint. And any dentist who's been around a while knows that when you put a metal post, it, it's dark, it's gray, it's not aesthetic, and you're likely to see uh, some show through, through the crown mm-hmm. and through an all-ceramic uh, appliance, through the core, I mean, and, uh, and through the all-ceramic crown. When you use a uh, post that is tooth-colored or translucent, it's a, it's a neutral shade. You don't have to mask over it. You don't have to worry about a ghost shining through. So this is one of the things. Aesthetics are important when it's important to the clinician. It's becoming more important to the clinician and the patient, obviously, just like the uh, filling materials and veneering and so on. Uh, radiographic visibility is, is important. Obviously, dentists are used to seeing a, uh, a metal post, which is a very stark contrast to dentin. And uh, fiber posts have come quite a ways in, in their level of radiopacity over the evolution, over 15, 15 years or so. Uh, fiber posts are not yet as radiopaque as metal posts and may never be. But there are certainly several brands of fiber posts on the market that uh, there is no question as to its uh, diagnostic uh, viability and its, uh, and its place in its uh, signature on, on a radiograph. And this is very important, uh, not so much for that patient and that dentist, but uh, should the insurance company have a, have a question about it, it's, it's fairly, mm-hmm. very evident. And should that patient move from your practice to some other part of the world, um, they, they need to be able to see that post. The third thing that I mentioned very in, in rapid succession was biocompatibility. And I don't mean to, and certainly the Pathways of the Pulp textbook doesn't mean to imply that metal posts are, are, are killing patients you know <laughs> oh okay uh, good what they're talking about here is that in any time in medicine <clears throat> and dentistry is a strain of, of medicine uh, we try to use materials that uh, are best suited as i said earlier best for the tooth best for the human body in harmony with the surrounding tissues exactly you can buy titanium metal posts but actually the most dentists that use metal posts in this country anyway are still using stainless steel now i want to talk a little bit about not so much uh, about compatibility one aspect of biocompatibility would be Corrosion potential, electrolytic corrosion, mm-hmm. galvanism. I mean, this is why patients uh, have a reaction when they, as you know, chew aluminum foil and they have silver fillings. There's an immediate and profound reaction. 
what we have here, you think about the way uh, you may have been taught in dental school is you take a stainless steel post, you embed it in with some, some cement, cement, then you do an amalgam core buildup, then you take a porcelain fused to metal, not always gold, right. porcelain fused to metal, right. some base metal alloy, and now you have three separate alloys in very close contact to one another in a moist environment. Ouch. Well, what you're setting up is a potential, high, high potential for a corrosion cell. Mm. And very often, very, a lot of these, especially if there's any leakage just uh, inside the, um, the root canal treatment in that tooth, due to uh, obturation uh, or preparation or mm. just some small crack, you get some moisture in there. The cement, as we said, the old-fashioned cements are very soluble. Now, you've got moisture in that environment. And... You can, you can see the corrosion. Uh, the patient will present with crown in hand, amalgam uh, inside the crown, and a rusty, crusty-looking uh, post uh, extruding from that. You know exactly what's happened right away. And uh, you could actually, and it's been done, you can take the corrosive byproduct and assay it, and what you'll see is exactly what you would expect. You'll see a lot of iron. I mean, think of what's in stainless steel. Uh, iron, you got sulfides, you got nickel, chromium. Ooh. You know, and as a matter of medicine, you realize that anytime we can avoid using nickel and chromium in the human body, it's, uh, it's best to do that. Right. So this is all just building this case, again, away from metals towards uh, viable alternatives. And post and core is just one of those areas. So we have all of these criteria. It seems like the fiber posts fit all of them. Metal posts fit about 80% of them, but the or real half. biggie, the number one in the... In the endo textbook, going back to compatibility, is the root fractures. That that seems to be the recurring theme. That the the potential, I guess, for uh, uh, the most catastrophic of any failure with a, a post. That's true. You can have uh, you can have a clinical failure with with any type of restoration. You know that as a dentist. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're starting to see now with 15 years or so clinical uh, trials of fiber posts and opposite a whole world of uh, clinical observation with, with metal posts. The difference, the bottom line being this, is that if you, you can have a failure any time, anywhere, really. But when you have a, catastrophic, a, a big failure with a metal post, it tends to be catastrophic. That's the end of the game. It's a, it's a root fracture. You're looking at an extraction and or a, you know, going forward, an implant, a, crown, a bridge, whatever. When you have a failure, the worst failure you're going to have with a fiber post, it's repairable. You get a do-over. You can go in, and I tell dentists to think of it this way. If you're using a high-quality fiber post and you've inserted it and, and followed all the rules and in, in the instructions, and in function, in clinical use, you have enough stress on that restoration, that tooth, that crown, to actually fracture that post inside that tooth, you and your patient could, should consider it a blessing. Because what that means is that the fiber post has done exactly what it was designed to do right. by being a low modulus component. It's absorbed the stress and actually it's fractured rather than transferring, as in a rigid metal post, that stress to the rest of the tooth and inducing a fracture somewhere down below the gum line, usually mm. in, the, in the narrowest, uh, most fragile part of, of the tooth. So you can consider it, can consider it uh, a blessing. You can go back, you can retreat, you can remove what's uh, left of that post. You can uh, treat the causative, and you can place another post and reseed a crown. Now, um, we've kind of determined here the the bullets we want for an ideal post. Another thing to consider is the shape. Like you said, there's 150 years of 50 different shapes, designs, and and geometries. Um, tell us something about 
the shape of the post. I mean, where, where do we go from there? There's uh, a lot of choices. Yeah, good point. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, there's a lot of really good in vitro research in the 1970s and 80s by, you know, Sorensen, Martinoff, Engelman, people like this that proved over and over again that when using a metal prefabricated post, you're going to get the best retention using a parallel post. This allows you to put those macro retentive features that we talked about. It also, uh, by using a parallel post, gives you a lot more surface area to be in contact with your zinc cement and therefore in contact with the inside of the tooth. This is all very necessary to get adequate retention with the metal post. Unfortunately, there's a downside to parallelism. In most cases, uh, to seat a parallel post of, of, of any material, you're going to have to require you to um, remove some uh, extra dentin. All right. Uh, there was a, sort of an edict against tapered metal posts because when you take something very rigid and very tapered, it acts very much like a wedge. And this is the last thing we want to do in a compromised tooth right. is to put a rigid metal wedge in there. Uh, but now you've got a material, as I said earlier, to, that the tooth doesn't know it's there. In other words, it's mechanically similar and compatible with the tooth structure. The fiber post. Exactly. You can use any shape you want. So more and more, even though there are some parallel-shaped fiber posts, there are more and more uh, tapered fiber posts available on the market. And this basically, you can use anything you, you like. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is one of the things that's uh, sort of a byline in, in uh, current dentistry is to be minimally invasive. In other words, don't remove any tooth structure uh, that you don't have to. And as I said, by contrast, when you use a tapered post, regardless of microstructure or composition, you're likely to have to remove more tooth structure than using a tapered post, which is, right. I mean, the tooth root is tapered, the root canal is tapered. What sense does it make to use a parallel post? And you know what, Norm? It's, it's interesting that our endo files are tapered. They've got a purchase tapered. You know, the paper points are tapered. And we still want to go back to these, you know, square peg and round hole sometimes. So the only other thing that, that I, I'll say about metal posts is that sometimes we see x-rays where the parallel metal post is two or three times the width of the gutta percha up at the, up at the tip, meaning there was a heck of a lot more dentin removed than, than needed. So possibly yeah. predisposing it again to... Failure of some sort. Well, the other part of that, what you're saying is, and this is one of the things that from my conversations with many endodontists over many years, uh, when they do referral work, uh, it, it bothers them uh, that they uh, do their best to be specialists and be very meticulous and remove only diseased tissue, sending back to the generalist mm -hmm. a very conservative, narrow, tapered canal treatment. Right. Only to find out uh, on some other future appointment or having to see that patient again on a recall that the general dentist has gone in with a, a shotgun, a bazooka, if you will, and uh, you know widened <laughs> right. that canal space by three times to allow yep. fit of a square-ended parallel post. Keep in mind, too, um, that anytime you have parallelism, you have uh, square corners on the, the apical end of that. And anytime you induce square corners acute angles, if you will, mm -hmm. these are predispositioned to, uh, to fractures there. Uh, same as with your um, uh, amalgam preparations where we used to right. cut dovetail preps and anytime you have in the corner of that dovetail, that's where you normally see cuspal fractures, isn't it? Right. Well, same idea here. You're in the narrowest part yeah. of the tooth. Uh, with metal posts, the old paradigm was to shove that post down as far as you can to expose enough, as much surface area as you can, mm -hmm. but stopping four or five millimeters short of the apical foramen just to allow some sealer. 
Well, so this kind of works against itself, doesn't it? You've got a, uh, a long, rigid post shoved as far down as possible into a tooth that's already compromised, that's getting narrower. And then on top of it all off, you put something in there that introduces sharp angles, corners. So all these add up to then, um, should we, shouldn't we be looking for some, some alternatives? Yeah. yeah. And you know, the last I checked, uh, Tulsa Dental still doesn't have any parallel drills for uh, endo, you know, files. So maybe when they come out with some parallel files, I'll think about parallel posts. But um, now one other thing to uh, consider uh, pricing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not familiar with all the pricing, uh, but there's probably a difference between metal and fiber posts in general, and even among the fiber posts. If, Anything you can share with us about that? Uh, what's your experience? Yeah, it's probably best for me not to speak to any specific brands, but you can buy a name brand, very popular style of uh, metal, stainless steel, or titanium parallel mm-hmm. post, sort of the, the industry standard, the taxi cab, if you will, mm-hmm. in one of the major catalogs for a retail of about $7 a, a post. Right? And that's sort of the starting point. You can buy fiber posts. Remember I already mentioned earlier, there's high quality and there's the, the Walmart garden variety. And, uh, you know, as a dentist, what you would pay buying uh, through a catalog or direct from the company, you can go for anywhere from $5 for a fiber post up to about $10 for a fiber post, anything in between. Uh, I guess going back to my original short answer was what do you need to consider? Well, consider what's best for the tooth. My point being is to to get the very top of the line fiber post, which might run you as a dentist if you had to buy it, ten dollars, versus buying a brand named top of the line metal post for seven fifty. We're talking about two and a half dollars here, and so I'm not a dentist. I don't make those value judgments, but I would say to anybody, this is consider: is this the place to save three bucks? Right. You know, when you consider the fees involved. Um, well, there you go, and yeah. you know, as a percentage of. A post and core fee. Exactly. Well, even the other fees. In other words, eight hundred dollars or something for a crown, seven hundred something, eight hundred dollars for a root canal, right. two hundred dollars for a post core buildup, and you're talking about saving three dollars on the post. Let me put it this way, and let the dentist think about it. Um, the prognosis for this already compromised tooth going forward rests figuratively and literally on what we decide today to do with in terms of the post and core. So uh, we want strength, we want uh, all these advantages, mm-hmm. protection of the root, retention, all the things that we talked about in, in this segment, uh, and we want to do these. And the, you've got to ask the, the question is, uh, to getting the very best that man can make or money can buy, isn't that worth, worth the extra $2.50? This right. is, this, my, my, my point being is this is probably right. not the place to cut corners. To cut to save right. savory bucks, and I think there's some perception that oh geez, it's in the tooth, I'll never see it again. It's doesn't matter what's in there, but I don't think anyone would cheap out building a new house and just say yeah, I want the cheap concrete for the that, foundation. That's one way. I'm not going to see it. it. You know? Well, and again, I look at it back in the relationship of the whole um, the whole restorative case study process. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're using a name brand composite for your core buildup you're likely going to spend on a gram and a half or whatever that is, or a quarter of a gram, you're going to spend more dollars on the core buildup composite itself than you will on the post. And worth the price of admission alone, if uh, you ever have to retreat or you ever have to do over mm-hmm. uh, and, and retreat that, it's just so much easier with a fiber post that you've already more than saved uh, all these nickels and dimes you're talking about in the, in the initial price of the post versus the metal post. Okay. 
Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? I, I think we've covered a lot here today. Any last comments, uh, suggestions? No, it's just been my observation in uh, 30 years of marketing dental products and, and developing those and introducing those that, you know, dentists, like like all of us, are, are creatures of habit. We tend to resist uh, change even when we know it's for the better. Mm-hmm. But I would ask any dentist to think about, uh, even though they may not have had, you know, uh, gross, recurrent, frequent, uh, ultimate dental failures with uh, metal posts, mm-hmm. uh, it's time to think about, well, maybe they've just uh, been able to escape that so far and to think about the future and, and always ask with any procedure, is it good? What's best for the tooth? Right. And I think if they do that and think about what we've talked about today, given that there really isn't a downside, then uh, then they're going to have to think about uh, alternatives and, and consider fiber post and, and shopping for what then what does the dentist want to look for when they consider shopping between brands of fiber posts? And maybe we can cover that in a, another segment. In another issue. Yeah, that's real important because we're, we're not – always easy to change our ways as dentists and what we learned is sometimes what's the easiest but remember mark twain said i never let my schooling get in the way of my education so with that we'll end this session thank you very much thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast to view a full archive of our podcast please visit podcast.ultradent.com If you would like to be a guest on a podcast or have a question for the podcast, please send an email to ultradentnews at ultradent.com. Be sure to visit us at our trade show booth, the ADA meeting in Las Vegas, where we will be recording additional podcasts from attendees like you.